Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Baltimore, we're talking with Brandon Vaught. Brandon Bott is a best-selling author, blogger, and speaker. He's the content director for Bishop Robert Barron's Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, and he is the founder of Claritas View, an online community for Catholics who want to get clear about their faith. Brandon lives in Orlando, Florida, with his wife Kathleen and their six children. His work has been featured by several media outlets, and he's a regular guest on Catholic Radio. So we're glad to have you here today. He's been named one of the top 30 Catholics under 30 and one of the top 24 Catholics to follow on Twitter. He graduated summa cum laude from Florida State University in 2008, not with a theology degree, but with a degree in mechanical engineering with minor degrees in physics and mathematics. The same year he graduated from FSU, he also entered the Catholic Church on Easter. He has published seven books, including the one we're going to talk about today, Why I Am Catholic and You Should Be Too. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Oh, Chris, thanks for having me. What a joy to be here. Well, you entered the Catholic Church after a long period of discernment and inquiry. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Sure. It was about a year-long process that began my junior year in college. And at this time, after being raised in a nominally Protestant home, we went to a Presbyterian church every single Sunday growing up, but it wasn't really something that was deeply influential in my life. But then I got to college, and the first three years I was at college, I became involved with a Methodist campus ministry at Florida State University and fell in love with the Lord. And I I got involved with this community of guys. We were studying the Bible together. They taught me how to pray on my own. Uh, They taught me about all the spiritual disciplines from study to fasting to worship, uh, etc. And my faith just came alive uh, to the point that by my junior year, I was convinced that I wanted to serve the Lord full time with my life uh, and was seriously looking into Methodist seminaries to, beca- to perhaps become some sort of Methodist minister. However, uh, around my junior year, uh, I had been dating a, a woman for several years who's now my wife, and she was born and raised Catholic. And as we were getting ready to graduate college, the questions naturally arose about what are we going to do when we get married? She's a Catholic. I'm a quasi-Methodist. You know, are we going to go to two different churches? Are we going to try to go to one church? And that was what prompted me for the first time ever to think about what specifically I believed as a Christian. Of course, I believed in Jesus. Of course, I love the Lord and reverence the scriptures. But, you know, why were there so many Christian traditions? What was different about them? And which one should I be a part of? And I realized then that I didn't know anything about Catholicism, even though I'd been dating this woman for several years. I didn't know anything about the Catholic Church. She was probably the only openly Catholic person I knew. So I thought, out of love and respect for her, I need to at least look into this to see what it's all about, to see if it's maybe something I could be attracted to. And so that's what began this year-long search. I read dozens and dozens of books. I started talking with different Catholics. Uh, I found a couple mentors in Tallahassee at Florida State University who uh, helped to answer a lot of my objections and concerns. 
And after a year-long process of searching and wrestling with this stuff, I became convinced that the Catholic Church was the church that Jesus established, and that the same church today, uh, or th- that the church Jesus established subsists in the same church today. And, I, and so I, if I wanted to follow Jesus, I wanted to be a part of his church, and so I decided to become Catholic. Is that part of the reason why here you are, you know, uh, nine years later writing a book, Why I Am Catholic and You Should Be Too? Yeah, that was part of it. Uh, I realized when I came into the church, I was a senior in college about 10 years ago, that while I came in, lots of my other friends were heading in the opposite direction. You know, lots of my friends, when they found out that I was converting to Catholicism, would tell me, to my great surprise, that they had actually been raised Catholic, but then they had sort of drifted away. Some of them were now part of the Methodist community I was a part of. Many others just had no religious identity anymore at all. They're what sociologists today call the nuns who say they have no religious identity or connection. And, and so I was growing struck. faster by every year. That group was growing huge. That's right. That's right. Ask any sociologist. They'll tell you the biggest religious story in the past 10 years is the rise of the nuns, this meteoric growth in the percentage of people who don't identify with any religion. I think in the last 10 years, it's gone from about 15% of American adults to about 25 or 30% of American adults. So we're, we're talking tens of millions of people that have tossed off religion. And so I, I was struck by that question, you know, why, why are, what are these people missing that I seem to have found? Why am I being drawn toward the Catholic Church while they're leaving out the back door? So that's part of why I wrote this book, was to, to compile my thoughts into a single volume that you could give to a nun, an N-O-N-E-S, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who has no religious experience or identity, that you could give to them to make a persuasive case for why they should at least consider the Catholic Church. The book starts from the very general, is there a God and is Jesus God? And then it takes readers through the specifics of Christianity and Catholicism, using some of the greatest thinkers in in centuries. Uh, Why did you take this approach? Well, a lot of it uh, emerged from the audience I'm writing for. So again, I'm writing for non-religious people, specifically the nuns, atheists, agnostics, skeptics. Uh, I think over the last 10 or 20 years, there's been a lot of great Catholic books that have been written with Protestants in mind. So trying to show Protestants why they should become Catholic. And for that type of work, it's in some ways easier because you're beginning with a shared understanding uh, and agreement that God exists, that Jesus is God, that the Bible is true. Uh, but if you're trying to convince atheists or agnostics to take the Catholic Church seriously, you've got to start much further back. And so with this book, I wanted to start from ground zero. You know, I'm not starting on the fifth floor, the tenth floor, and trying to get rid of the penthouse. I'm starting from the very bottom and trying to make a case from beginning to end as to why Catholicism is true. And so uh, that's how I divide the book. There's three major sections in the book. The first section, I explain why Catholicism is true, which is the best reason to accept any worldview or belief. Second, I show that Catholicism is good. And third, I show that Catholicism is beautiful. And it's my uh, sense that those three pathways will appeal even to people who have no religious background or interest. You call Catholicism in this, you call it the only rebellion left. Why is that? What, what is it about that that you think appeals to people who want to be countercultural? 
I think if you ask anybody on the street today, what does it mean to be a rebel or give me an example of a rebel? Most people would envision something like, you know, some guy wearing a leather jacket, smoking cigarettes and drinking and sleeping around and, you know, uh, being politically progressive and and bucking the system and anti-institutional, you know, all these things. And that's fine. I think that that's probably how the majority of people would understand being a rebel. And we've seen this sort of subculture emerge in my generation, the millennial generation of hipsters who would embody this sort of rebellious, anti-institutional, anti-tradition type of attitude. But it's, it's my belief, as I argue in the book, that that's not true rebellion, because in many ways, all of those sorts of attitudes are now mainstream. They're going along with the majority of the culture. What's rebellious is in a culture that is increasingly throwing off religion to ask the question, does religion maybe have something to offer? Have we maybe misunderstood the value of religion in general or Catholicism in particular? I think it's rebellious to be a religious young person today. That's going against the grain. That's going against the stream. And and that's what I argue in the book. That's what a lot of people are looking for these days is to try to say, I want to do something different. I don't want to be part of just the the people who are in lockstep, there's a a sense that Catholics are all in lockstep, but but you've made the argument that this is actually the way to be a rebel. Yeah, it puts you in a great minority to be a faithful Catholic today, but especially in my generation, especially among the millennials. Uh, The best research here comes from Dr. Christian Smith at Notre Dame, and he finds that he found in in this massive uh, longitudinal study that only 7% of millennials who were raised in the Catholic Church still actively practice their faith today. And by active, he simply means go to Mass on Sundays, occasionally pray, and occasionally read the Bible. Just by that very low bar, only 7% of millennials who are raised in the Church still practice today. So that's excluding all the other young people who weren't even raised Catholic. So, I mean, if you're if you're a committed ca- young Catholic today, you are in the less than 1% minority among your generation. So to me, that's exciting. That's rebellion. That's standing up for beliefs, even if they aren't uh, popular, even if they aren't in line with the culture. And that gives me great verve and energy. That's excellent to, to hear. Uh, well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Brandon Vaught about his conversion Catholicism and his book, Why I Am Catholic and You Should Be Too. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Archdiocese of Baltimore collected a total of $545,000 from the emergency collections held after Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. At the request of Archbishop Jose H. Gomez of Los Angeles, Vice President of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, Archbishop William E. Lorry asked pastors in the Archdiocese of Baltimore to take up a special collection September 2nd to 3rd to support victims of Hurricane Harvey and to provide pastoral and rebuilding support to impacted dioceses. The two natural disasters caused chaos and ruinous devastation in Texas, Puerto Rico, and Caribbean islands. Bishop Adam Parker, Vicar General and moderator of the Curia for the Archdiocese, said the collection shows how the faithful of the Archdiocese are open to help far beyond our own boundaries, 
quickly and eagerly. The funds are being directed to Catholic Charities USA, an agency that has been on the ground since the beginning of the emergency, providing housing, food, and water to those affected by Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has designated that the U.S. Virgin Islands receive $100,000 and Puerto Rico received $200,000 of the Baltimore collection. The situation of those dioceses is far more serious, Bishop Parker said, and receiving help has been much more difficult. In Dhaka, Bangladesh, Pope Francis said each human being is created in the image and likeness of God, yet so often people desecrate that image with violence as seen in the treatment of Myanmar's Rohingya minority. Today, the presence of God is also called Rohingya, the Pope said December 1st after meeting, clasping hands, and listening intently to 16 Rohingya who have found shelter in Bangladesh. The refugees who met with the Pope traveled to Dhaka from Cox's Bazar, the southern Bangladeshi city hosting hundreds of thousands of refugees who have fled Myanmar. More than 620 Rohingya have crossed the border into Bangladesh since late August. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today, in print and online, at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica Gift Shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish and everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. This is Chris Gunty for Catholic Baltimore. We're back and we're talking with author, blogger, husband, and dad, Brandon Bott, about his book, why I am Catholic and you should be too. Is this book only for people who are searching for a faith community or searching for a faith culture, or can cradle Catholics kind of benefit from this line of inquiry? Yeah, I wrote this book, again, primarily with non-Catholics in mind, but I think Catholics will benefit, it, benefit from it in a couple of important ways. First of all, it'll strengthen their own faith 
I've had several people write me to say, you know, it was like a light bulb going off reading this book because I knew what I believed, but I really didn't know why I believed it. But then I saw how you very carefully and rationally laid out why we believe what we do. And it was a great confirmation for me. It made me feel much stronger and more confident in my faith. So that's the first thing it'll do. But second, it'll equip Catholics to talk about these things with their non-Catholic friends and family members. So if you have uh, a son or a daughter who's drifted away from the church, who no longer goes to Mass, maybe they don't even believe in God, this book will tell you how to engage them. It'll give you some good uh, arguments and ideas on on how to discuss these topics with them. Uh, Maybe you have skeptical friends at work or in your social circles. Uh, Again, this book will equip you with what to say, or it might be just a good tool that you can give them and say, hey, I I picked up this book. I'd be curious to know what you think about it. So let's read it and you tell me what you think. So I think in those two ways, the book will be just as valuable for Catholics as it is for non-Catholics. I think you're right because there's a lot of times when we as Catholics, I'm, I'm a cradle Catholic, um, we just don't have any idea of how to express the things that we know and believe about the church and about God and about Jesus. We have a hard time expressing that to our friends. So it's, it's great to have a book like this that gives us that, some of those tools. Um, you break the book into three parts. You, you talked about that earlier in, in the first part of the show, that Catholicism is true that it is good, and that it is beautiful. In your conclusion, you say you knew you had to enter the church because you saw in Catholicism the fullness of truth, goodness, and beauty. Can, can you break those apart a little bit? What do you mean by Catholicism being true? Sure. By that, I simply mean that the claims the Catholic Church makes are in line with reality. That's what being, that's what being true means, is that it reflects reality. So the Catholic Church claims uh, a few very important facts. Number one, that God exists. Number two, that Jesus is God. And number three, that Jesus established the Catholic Church and imparted to it his own authority. So that's how I uh, make the case in the book. I think there is great evidence, many good reasons to believe those three facts. And if those three facts are true, then the Catholic Church naturally is the one church that we want to be a part of, because it's God's church. It's the one church he created. God didn't start 50 different religions. He didn't start thousands of different churches. He established one faith and one church, and that's the one I want to be a part of, and I think everybody else does too. And so we got to examine this church to see if it holds up to critical scrutiny. So that's what I argue in the book. The Catholic Church is true because its claims to be the church that Jesus established are, are true. What do you mean when you say Catholicism is good? Well, I ex- approach that from a few different angles. Uh, first of all, I note that Catholicism is the greatest source of goodness historically. And so I show how the Catholic Church, probably more than any un- other institution, is responsible for much of what we consider the greatness of Western civilization. So ranging from things like the arts to economics to democracy to the political landscape to the university system, not to mention the extraordinary charitable impact the church has had over the centuries. I think it's an easy case to make that no other institution has shaped Western culture for good than the, any more than the Catholic Church has. So I think it's good in that sense. 
Also, I think it's good because of the heroic witness of its saints. So I talk about a few in the book, including St. Uh, Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, St. Damien of Molokai, St. Lawrence. I mention a few other figures along the way, showing how the extraordinary goodness of the lives of these men and women exhibit to the church's goodness. There's just nobody else like them in the history of the world, and they seem to be feeding off of this this energy, this source, uh, this font of holiness that the church provides. To a person, they would say that their goodness is simply an outgrowth of what's been put into them through the sacraments and through the work of the church. But then also I note how the church is good because it helps make us good people, and it does that perhaps uh, most obviously through the sacrament of confession, that wherever we've failed, wherever we've come up short, and all of us here are sinners, you know, G.K. Chesterton said that we're all in the same boat and we're all seasick. So we're, we're all sinners, we're all broken, but it's the church that offers a way out. Most of us have tried to wiggle ourselves out of our addictions, our struggles, our guilt, our pain, but we know it doesn't work. No matter how much we try, it's, it's like quicksand. We're just sucked deeper if we're trying to get out on our own. We, we need somebody else to pull us out, and that's what the Church does through the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus' uh, instrument for forgiveness is the Catholic Church, and that happens uh, most concretely through the sacrament of confession. So in the book, I share some of my own experiences of confession and how the liberation and freedom that confession has given me is a testament to its goodness. So for all those reasons, the Catholic Church is good. And how is Catholicism beautiful? Oh, this one I think is the easiest to defend. I looked at lots of different religions when I was in college, but quickly became convinced that Catholicism is the most beautiful religion in the world. In fact, no other religion matches its artistic patrimony or its commitment to beauty, but even more than that, some other religions actually are anti-beautiful or anti-aesthetic, you might say. For example, Muslims prohibit any artistic rendering of God or its prophet Muhammad. Uh, many Jewish synagogues are nicely ordained, but you won't typically find ornate artwork or pageantry in, in the synagogues. Many of the leading Protestant founders and reformers had a very anti-aesthetic streak to them. Uh, for example, John Calvin banned uh, any statues or uh, artistic renderings of the saints, and even banned music from his worship services. So whenever I looked at the Catholic Church and saw just the opposite, I was deeply intrigued because I knew that beauty was a reflection of the splendor of God. I knew that the true religion, wherever it was, whatever it was, had to embrace beauty as a powerful pathway to God. And so in this book, I, I show several ways that beauty, again, confirms the, the truth and goodness of Catholicism, and that in many ways, these three traits, the Church's truth, goodness, and beauty, are co-implicative and co-affirming, that uh, the Church's is truth is beautiful, that its goodness is, is true and beautiful, and, and so on. And so these three things uh, very much flow together and together make a cumulative case that the Catholic Church is worth considering. That's awesome. I, I think you kind of summed that all up very quickly. We've got just a little bit of time left. Where can people get your books? Uh, I, I understand on your website you occasionally give away free books, but where can they buy books such as Why I'm Catholic and You Should Be Too? 
Sure. The best place is the website we created for the book, which is whycatholicbook.com, whycatholicbook.com. You can pick up a copy of the book there, and there's also a, a free video series there that goes along with the book. So to watch the free videos and pick up the book, just go to whycatholicbook.com. Excellent. Well, we've been talking today with Brandon Vaught about the truth, goodness, and beauty in Catholicism. We've been talking about his conversion to the, to the faith and his book, Why I Am Catholic and You Should Be Too. Uh, it's, it was a great read. It really is not very difficult, although there are some really challenging uh, aspects to it, but it's a, it's a fairly easy read. You've written it in a, a very colloquial style, so uh, I found it a, a pretty easy read. On the other hand, I've been a lifelong Catholic, so I'm familiar with some of these terms. But uh, I, I appreciated the read, and I think, it's, as you say, it's a good thing to be able to give to people if they're interested in that. So thanks so much for being with us today, Brandon. Oh, thank you. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.